This episode is sponsored by Apollo, a tool that's helping me to open doors and close deals faster. Wanted to share it with you. Apollo is a complete end-to-end sales platform, letting you email, dial, connect on social, build plays, and schedule meetings. With conversational intelligence, transcribing my calls lately, and reminding me to act on my next steps to drive deals across the finish line, it's been a lifesaver. It's no wonder Apollo is the most loved sales tool on the planet. Thousands of users rank Apollo as a top tool on G2. Start today completely free and see how Jesse and I use Apollo. Sign up in the show notes below or at thesalesplayers.com forward slash Apollo. That's thesalesplayers.com forward slash A-P-O-L-L-O to start your free trial. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a fantastic guest on the show today, and he's someone who needs no introduction. And if you work in tech sales or leadership, you're probably already connected to Scott Lease. Scott is the CEO and founder of Scott Lease Consulting. He is the co-founder of GTM United. That's a private community for go-to-market professionals. We talk more about how that group got started and what the mission is for the community. He's also the CEO and founder of Surf and Sales. That's both an event that they do down in Costa Rica, as well as a podcast that you can find on all the major streaming networks. I was super excited that Scott agreed to come on the show for a number of reasons, mainly because he's not afraid to talk about some of the more difficult topics in the industry, and he's a no bullshit kind of guy. He says it how it is, he is completely and authentically himself, and he's managed to build an amazing business just around him and his expertise. We talk about the origin of GDM United, we talk about how they kicked off Surf and Sales, but some of the gold is towards the end of the episode, we talk a lot about the importance of building your network and some of the shifts that are going on in tech sales right now. Scott's of the belief that the model of the SDR is going away. Uh, I tend to share that sentiment as well. And so we talk about some ways that reps out there can start to close the gap. And one of the things that Scott suggests is building your network. And he gets into some very specific ways that you can start right now building your network so that you can then have that for future deals, future career moves, building a consulting firm, whatever it is you want to do in your life or career, having a network is only going to enhance your ability to achieve that. So with all of that said, let me introduce Scott Lees. Scott, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. Huge fan. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks. Appreciate the uh, kind words there. Yeah. So, so the first question here, I'm just going to get right into it. You have a massive following on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and everything else. You're obviously a kind of a social media personality. Do you have people walk up to you at the airport or the, the coffee shop or the bar and say, oh my God, are you Scott Lease? Nice to meet you. Yeah. I actually, weird? No, I actually do. That does happen to me. Um, especially when I'm in Austin. Yeah. You know, I, I, I moved, I bought a new house about a year ago and my neighbor across the street came over to me and was like, are you Scott from LinkedIn? And I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> you know, it's very weird. I, I don't, it never, it has yet to stop being weird. I think a lot of us, like we grew up thinking, man, it'd be so cool to be Michael Jordan or it'd be so cool to be like, you know, Van Halen or something like that and have, you know, popularity from that platform, like being an athlete or a musician or an artist or something like that. And then here we are with like 
people with massive followings on social media and now LinkedIn, which is like, you're a business influencer and people are walking up to you at an airport or a coffee shop yeah, trying to it, get introduced. And, and it's so small. I mean, I can't, I can't even fathom the level of notoriety that some people have, you know, it's weird yeah, that's for me. And I, I have a nothing follower following compared to, you know, other folks. Um, yeah. That's what's like just crazy to think about. If you have, even if you have like a hundred thousand followers on LinkedIn, compare that to someone who has, you know, tens of millions of people in a stadium listening to their work or listening to their seminar, whatever it is, it's absolutely mind-boggling to yeah, think about. Can't imagine. Can't can't go anywhere. Can't go anywhere. <clears throat> yeah, I took I took my kids to the uh, the doctor last week, and one of the uh, physician's assistants was like Scott Lease. And why do I know this name? I'm like, I don't know. We've took the kids here before maybe she's like no 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 I think you know my my husband and she says her husband's name and I'm like oh yeah he he, he uh I know him from like work and sales and stuff like that so yeah it does it does happen so early on in your career did you ever anticipate doing what you do now which is you know you're consulting you've got uh you know you post content you have a community or did you just imagine you'd probably always be some kind of a sales leader, seller, something of that type? Well, early on in my career, the answer would be no. I mean, I thought the pinnacle of a sales career was being a VP of sales. That was right. as, as far as my brain could, could compute and comprehend. Um, and only kind of halfway through my operating career did I start to realize this game is kind of rigged here and you know, I, I can do really, really well and help these companies sell for hundreds of millions of dollars and the founders making 40 million and I made 400 grand. I don't understand. Like I understand they should probably make more, but like that much more what's yeah. going on here. And so I started to get a little bit entrepreneurial for the first time. And then I started to kind of plan my exit and I came up with the idea of how I might walk away and, and that's, you know, how businesses like surf and sales started and Thursday night sales and my consulting business and things like that. But, you know, at the very beginning, it was just like, how do I be the best salesperson in the company and break all the records? Oh, that got me promoted to be a leader. How do I be the best leader in the company? Oh, now I'm in charge of all of the reps. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, how do I be the best VP of sales? Oh, I've hit the top. Then I got a win or two. And then it's like, is this it? You know, and, and it was only then that I started to realize there was more out there. I, I had always kind of thought founders and entrepreneurs were way smarter than me, way braver than me, and just a cut above. I didn't think I was, you know, worthy. It took a long time for me to evolve out of that mentality, actually. Do you think that's something unique to tech and SaaS where you know, you can be the top seller, the VP of sales, and the, you're kind of carrying the weight of the organization on your shoulders. You're carrying a big target on your back, as they say. But the the folks above you are, you know, what, 100xing sometimes what you're doing uh, in terms of their, you know, personal net worth and things like that. Or is that something that's in every industry from your perspective? I'm just curious if, if it's just a unique to tech problem uh, that needs to be solved within tech, or is this just kind of how things work? Wow. You know, I've never worked outside of tech, so yeah. I don't know for sure. But when I've worked with people on a consulting basis who are not in tech, the disparity is still there. Right. The top seller is earning 100x less than 
you know, the founders are. Um, and, you know, they're still kind of put on a pedestal and idolized a little bit. Um, and the, the worker bee, if you will, is like, oh, I'll never be one of those people or whatever. Yeah. So, so I, I think my answer would be that it's pretty universal regardless of, <clears throat> of industry. Yeah. And I think that it's something that uh, should change, frankly. Yeah, you talk about that a lot. And that's something that really resonates about your posts and, and your content is, you know, again, you're, you're approaching the, the topics that most people won't talk about. And a lot of people are afraid to talk about because they don't want their leadership to see them post on LinkedIn and say, hey, wait a minute, why is the average VP of sales tenure so short? What does that mean for me if I'm on a career path to become a VP of sales? That's not what I want. You know, I want some longevity, right? I want some guarantees that I'm going to, you know, be okay after, I don't know, 19 months, right? So I think it's really cool that you talk about this stuff. And it's it's clear that you've struck a really big chord with a lot of people, especially in this industry. So tell us about kind of where that started. How many years ago was it? What were you doing when you just finally decided, like, I've got to start to untether myself from, uh, you know, from, from the, from what I'm doing right now, the trajectory I'm on? Yeah. Well, I've never been much of a yes man. I've always kind of pushed back and, um, you know, I can remember being a, a sales leader for the first time and this was a very top down organization and the CEO is like, here's your number for the next month, whatever. And I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> how am I supposed to do that? Walk me through yeah. the, I literally said like, walk me through the math of how you came up with that. And the yeah. answer was sort of like, because that's where I want us to be. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. I, I want to be a hundred times bigger than <laughs> what you say. It doesn't mean it's possible right now. So, you know, I, I've always been a little bit outspoken about some stuff. I've always been a little bit of a defender of myself and kind of the little guy and had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, and, and been very protective of my team and my, my people. Um, I think I had been, I think it was my fourth VP of sales job where I, I really felt this disparity of income and earning based on results and output and how integral I was to the team where I, where I sort of realized like this game is rigged mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what I do. I'm never going to actually get like wealthy, you know, like 0.0001% of VPs of sales maybe get wealthy, truly wealthy. Right. Um, and so it was then that I was like, I got to start talking about stuff and I got to start speaking my truth about things, teaching people about stuff, how to sell, how to scale, how to do this, how to do that. And I got to have a backup plan, man. Yeah. Because these dudes are going to fire me whenever they see fit. They're going to top me off at some point and be like, Hey mm -hmm. Scott, we need a VP of sales. Who's taken a company public before. Like I have no job security. It doesn't yeah. matter how good I do. I have no job security. So I started branching out and I was like, well, let me write a, I'm going to write this book and get my yeah. sales philosophy onto paper. Let yeah. me start building my network. And then, you know, let me build this little micro conference called surf and sales. And let me do this podcast and, you know, let me build this community and let me do some coaching. Let me do some training. And so I had, you know, on the, on this 
for anybody watching, it's like on my left side over here, I have my normal income from my job. And on the right side is all my like side hustle entrepreneurial stuff. And yeah. that stuff started out at nothing. And it just started creeping, huh. started creeping up until it matched what I was earning from my regular VP of sales job. And at that point, I'd been a VP of sales six times. I had a couple, you know, six figure kind of exits for myself, nine figure exits for the, the companies. And mm -hmm. the last company I was an operator at was hitting unicorn status. And I'm like, there's no point in me sticking around anymore. My normal yeah. income is matched on the side. You know, how much bigger can this company possibly get? You know, what's the difference between making like 2 million in an exit versus 3 million in an exit? Like my right. life is not going to be that much different. Who cares? So I said, fuck it. And, and went all in on myself. And, and that was three and a half years ago. And I've been wow. doing different things, you know, on my own ever since then. And funny enough, three and a half years is now the longest I've ever done one job. If you can believe that. Really? Yeah. My longest, no tenure, my longest tenure as a VP of sales was three years and one month. Wow. So, so I, I see that. that I see that a lot with entrepreneurs where you look at the jobs that they did have before they started a company and they're, you know, a year and a half, two years, three years, whatever it is. And then they start a business and it's like 20 years. Uh, so I, I think there's something to that. I don't know what it is, uh, but I think people that are more entrepreneurial, once they're in charge of their own destiny and their own idea, that's what they want to do. That's where they stick versus, you know, settling into a company that might have a great culture and a comp package or whatever, and just riding the, you know, the tide, right? Uh, they're, they're out there and, and you're, you're kind of starting something. And, and once again, you have sort of control over your destiny and your direction that lends itself to more longevity. So that's really crazy. I didn't know that. Yeah. Once you get, I mean, once you get the itch, the entrepreneurial itch, and once you realize, damn, I can replicate what I was earning and go beyond what I was earning, doing my own thing, it starts to look impossible. Like, why would I ever go back? Why would yeah. I have to do something different? And you just start to see opportunities in a different way, you yeah. know? And I think people are, are opening their eyes to this stuff way sooner than it was mm -hmm. when I was growing up. Um, and I think, you know, people my kid's age who are in their early teen years, they can't fathom going into an office and working for somebody else. Yeah. It does not compute yeah. in any right. way, shape, or form. Right. They're just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to build? What am I going to create? You know, and I think that's kind of just the way that the world is starting to go. And I think the balance of power is shifting a little bit from employer to employee and employees yeah. have never had an easier opportunity to diversify their income, create a safety net for themselves and kind of plan an escape route for when they want to go on their own. Yeah. So when you got started, was it just, you allocated a certain number of hours a day towards, it sounds like the book was the first thing that you put together. And then from there, uh, surf and sales is the next thing. Yeah, that was, that was the next thing. And I, then I, you know, I was growing my LinkedIn presence and I started to get these, you know, DMS asking me for startup advice or sales coaching yeah. advice and things like that. So th those were the first three kind of side hustles, business kind of side hustles that I had where it was you know, directly from my experience, if mm -hmm. you will. And, you know, you don't make millions of dollars writing a sales book, newsflash. Yeah. It's not yeah. like, 
you know, right. my royalties right, right now are, you know, enough to pay a couple of bills, a couple hundred sure. bucks a month. That's all three different books combined. Right? Wow. You don't, you don't make shit. Amazon takes like 90% <laughs> of your, your royalties, but you're not That's doing it for direct. You're not doing it for direct revenue though. Yeah. You're doing it for indirect revenue. What right. you're doing is you're like, I hope Jesse reads my book and likes it and then decides to follow me. Mm-hmm. And then is like, wow, this surf and sales thing in Costa Rica sounds pretty sweet. Maybe I'll go to that. Or Jesse becomes a founder at one point and he's like, we need to grow our sales organization. This dude, Scott, I've read his book. I've followed him for a while. I'm going to reach out to him and that becomes a consulting client. Right. See what I'm saying? So the books have, the ROI on the books is like massive, but not directly, directly from just yeah. selling the book. That uh, that's an interesting way to start too. So it sounds like you know that being your first thing, that's a big like hairy accomplishment, right? Is to get a book out there. I can't even imagine. Um, I've thought about like, man, I should write a book someday. It's it would be very a very fun goal to achieve, but I've heard from people that it's uh, you know just trying to put that much creativity down and edited it and just all the process of getting it out there. It's a lot. So I wonder if you kind of built up a nice muscle from putting out a couple of books. And then, yeah, now that's like your business card, as you're saying, like the indirect, uh, you know, network that it's built for you is, uh, is a really cool approach. So with, uh, with surf and sales, how, uh, how did that come about, you know, originally like, and then, I'm really curious because it's an international event. You know, a lot of, a lot of people are totally comfortable going to Austin or Vegas or, you know, wherever for a conference, not a lot of people are doing conferences in Costa Rica. So how did that get started? Was there any hesitation from people in your first couple of rounds of that event where they were like, hell no, I'm not going to get on a plane and go out of the country for a sales (laughs) conference. (laughs) I think the people that feel that way, I never end up talking to at all. Sure. Yeah. They, they, yeah. The event uh, serves as a funnel disqualifier <laughs> of its own. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, I basically like, I don't like big, huge, large conferences. I think yeah. they're a sham. I think it's just a kind of a circle jerk event where you run around go to all these different parties, shake all these hands. You don't really make any meaningful connections. Everybody's trying to sell you something and it's not the type of experiences or intimate interaction that I prefer. And they're always to your point, always in the same places, Austin or San Francisco or New York or whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't want to go to the fucking Marriott in St. Louis for a three day conference. (laughs) Sorry. That doesn't sound exciting. No, not at all. Yeah. So I thought, well, what would be the opposite of that? The opposite would be, let's go someplace amazing. Let's have a very small group of people and let's have half a day of content and half a day of play basically. Um, and let's see what we can do with that. I picked Costa Rica cause I'd been going there for years already. I, I already kind of had it dialed in. You know, I yeah. knew, I knew where to stay. I knew, I had connections of where to rent surfboards and have surf instructors help people who don't know how to surf and had drivers and cooks and, you know, everything was just like turnkey basically. And it's cheap as well, by the way. So from a business perspective, I got very low overhead to put the thing on. I was going to say, if I can get, get, you know, 15 to 20 people to, to pay, to come down to this thing, 
this is a big money maker. Yeah. Um, and we've sold out every single one so far that we've put on. You know, That's we so have cool. one coming up November 27th to December 1st. If anybody wants to check it out at surfandsales.com, um, there's a couple spots left. Um, but yeah, we've sold out every single one and people go away saying like, this was a transformational experience. I learned a lot. I made really good connections and uh, it's just a blast, man. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going down to Costa Rica for the first time in August. Just uh, had never been down there before, but really excited to check it out. So well, good for you. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. That, that's the thing is I, 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 pose the question as, was it hard to convince people to go to Costa Rica? And, and now that I'm thinking back on the question, I'm like, probably not that hard to convince people to, to choose Costa Rica over Vegas. No, but because, because <laughs> like I said, though, the people, people who are open and into that kind of stuff, yeah, they're drawn in. And so it's not hard to twist those people's arm to go to Costa Rica. Right. And the people who don't want anything to do with that, who are like, oh God, the ocean, the sand, passports no like i don't even they don't even reach out right you know? they're just automatically qualified out yeah which is fine by me have <laughs> fun to, have fun in st louis if you do any prospecting with linkedin you have got to go get set up with surf that's s-u-r-f-e it's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your crm system directly from linkedin in seconds i'm using it every single day I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players there's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with surf. So you just put out a community, GDM United, and maybe from the outside for someone who's not educated on sort of your vision, your content and everything else. It might just look like any old sales networking community or Slack community or something like that. But I sense you have a much bigger vision for it than just, yeah. Hey, let's all get in and talk about uh, what sucks about our jobs or let's, you know, talk about what we won today, you know, how we won today or whatever. Tell us a bit about that bigger vision. Yeah. The, the, the bigger vision is that um, the way we go to market and have gone to market traditionally for God knows how many decades, certainly at least in the last two decades that I've been working is, is dying and is going away. And, and this is not like an alarmist cold calling is dead type of you know, <laughs> clickbait thing. Right. Right. I don't think cold calling is dead yet. I don't think emailing is dead yet. I don't think DMing people on LinkedIn is dead yet, but I think all of them are dying. It's an undeniable fact that people do not pick up the phone today as often as they did five, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. You can look at everybody's response and open rates on email and they are lower now than they were a few years ago. Mm -hmm. You can look at people's inbox on social platforms like Twitter and, and LinkedIn and it's full of junk and spam. How many messages do you have in there from people asking if you want to own a Chick-fil-A, you know, franchise or, or a state farm insurance agency franchise because you look super qualified, right? 
Yeah. So nobody has to, nobody has time to deal with all that shit. We have become defensive to any type of outreach. When my phone rings, my ringer is off 24 seven. Yeah. Because I don't want to be bothered. And I just think this is bullshit. Right. On email, there's literal programs and companies built to filter out garbage from your inbox. Yep. And if I don't recognize your name in my inbox, the odds of me opening the email, let alone replying to it, are slim to none. Yeah. Right. And so there has to be a better way, a new way. And my belief is that the only way we're going to be able to go to market is by utilizing our network and our Mm. brand. And I think go to market is going to be replaced by go to network and go to network is going to be partner selling, co-selling, referral selling. It's the only way you're going to be able to get somebody to take a meeting with you. And the concept is like this. Let's say Ryan is trying to get a hold of Jesse and Ryan knows me and I know Jesse. So Ryan comes to me and says, Hey, Scott, it uh, looks like, you know, Jesse over there. Do you know him well enough to, to help me get a meeting? Uh, we do X, Y, Z. And, you know, maybe he has that problem. And I get that message from Ryan and I'm like, yeah, I know Jesse pretty good. Let me see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And I reach out to Jesse and I'm like, hey, man, I don't know if you have this issue or not, but uh, my buddy Ryan works at XYZ company. They do XYZ one, two, three. If you want to take a meeting with them, you know, they'd love that. And uh, I, I can assure you that it's worth your time. If not, if this is not an issue, no worries, man. No big deal. Right. And you now opt in via my feedback and introduction of whether or not that makes sense to you. And if it doesn't, no big deal. And if it does, then I send a mutual opt-in intro. that says, hey, Ryan, meet Jesse. You guys have the context. Have a good chat. And then I would get paid for making that introduction if it closes and only if it closes. So what we've just done is we've gotten rid of the cold call. We've gotten rid of the cold email. And you know what else we just did is we got rid of the traditional SDR. Mm. We just killed the entire profession of sales development and the business development reps. And we have just created a model where companies can go cost-free and risk-free to open up opportunities paying nothing but on results and you're not limited to having just a couple people you can deploy a global sdr referral team essentially so my community i have vendor partners who come to me and they say hey scott we're trying to get into these accounts who do you know and i'll know onesies twosies the people that i don't know i put that list in front of my community my community looks at the list and puts a claim in and says, I know these people here, I can make an intro here. And why split the commission with them? Hmm. So the vendor partner, all they care about is getting the opportunity cracked open and they're gonna pay 10, 15% or whatever. They pay me, I take my 10, 15%, I cut it in half and give it to uh, you know, the member of my community that opened it up. Some wow. of these checks are worth $30,000. If I get a check for 30 grand and you help me with the intro, Jesse, and I cut you a check for $15,000, fuck, that's more than you might make right now in your normal SDR AE role, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's now, a good month. Now you can do that for any company on the planet. Wow. You're not constrained 
by only being able to sell for company one, company A, right? The size of your network and your brand helps you create the ability to make more introductions and make more referrals and therefore get paid more. It's a win-win-win for everybody involved. Yeah. And so that's part of what the long-term vision is for Go to Market United. It's to help. It's to help companies break into uh, opportunities and close more deals, and help members of the community get paid for a new, non-traditional way of selling. That's amazing, and it it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of the channel selling, you know, affiliate model that's been around for a long time. It's just a little bit more focused on sort of the individual versus like a channel selling team, right? That's, that's the difference is the yeah. traditional methods live and die based on just you. Yeah. And, and what I've done is however many people are in my community, that's how many people I deploy. So let's say you work for, I don't know, IBM. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you could choose to work with Scott and like, I might know one or two opportunities, right? Or you can choose to work with Go-To-Market United and you instantly deploy hundreds of people who might be able to make introductions to you, right? That's part of the difference in terms of the community vision long-term. And I don't, I'm unaware of anybody else doing this right now, although I expect everybody else to start doing it very soon. <laughs> Uh, I'm familiar and we could talk off air about it more because I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but there's someone doing it in a different industry, not sales, um, that I'm aware of. They're more in the customer experience space, but it's not quite the same either because they don't have individual rep players in their community. It's more of a, you pay us to access, uh, vendors and we'll give you, you know, reviews on vendors and things like that behind the scenes and we'll recommend people. So it's a little bit different. The guy's based here in Phoenix, um, but I'll, I'll ping you his info uh, offline here. It's really cool. And I think you're dead on that this is the direction that things are going. And even just anecdotally, the last couple of years, the largest deals that I've closed came from a network. It came from someone calling me up and saying, hey, did you know that Clorox is looking for what you guys are selling? Let me make an intro. And boom. Clorox deal six months later, right? Uh, I've got a couple of stories like that where it was someone calling me up that I that I had networked with, that I'd partnered with, scratched their back. They came back and scratched mine in some way. And most of the most most of the top reps on the team that I'm on right now, same thing. It was, hey, this person introduced me to this brand, and they had heard in their conversations with this company that they were on on the market for this type of product or this type of solution. Bada bing, bada boom, intros made, deals cut, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you're you're dead on with that as kind of the the outlook in the industry. The the model of like SDRs picking up the phone and making 150 calls a day and you know, reps cold calling, cold emailing, saturating everybody's inboxes with everything. I really think that you're onto something here. Um what are you know, what are some of the challenges of running a community like that from your perspective right now? Uh, is it tough to keep track of everything? Is it tough to, you know, make the connections that you need to in order to make it profitable for everybody who's involved? I'm curious to hear a little bit about that. No. Um, well, first of all, that's not the only way that I monetize. Sure. Right. So 
it's a paid community. So we've been around for about two months. We're at 100K of ARR, which pretty fast. You yeah. know, I wouldn't say it's like breaking any land speed records for revenue growth, but, you know, pretty good so far for, for two months. Um, yeah. We do two to three days worth of live events and training and coaching um, every single week. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's guests that I know who, who come in and appear got traditional channels of entrepreneurship and career growth and things like this, helping people out. So we also have a, we also have a talent collective and a job board. We help companies find jobs. We help our community members find jobs, companies find employees, excuse me, and our uh, community members find, find jobs. So the value perspective uh, we feel is there. We are monetizing already. So this concept that I'm talking to you about is a program we call GTM Assist. And GTM mm -hmm. Assist lives inside of GTM United. Um, <clears throat> the challenge with running the community, I mean, it's member growth, right? You know, you, we don't spend any money on marketing or advertising. It's all just it's social so and word of mouth and all that kind of stuff. So you have to be careful of promotion fatigue. I mean, I'd love to just make four posts a day about GTM United and GTM Assist and get everybody to sign up. Right. But that would land me in LinkedIn jail probably like <laughs> real quick. You know, nobody yeah. would end up seeing my posts after a day. Um, so you have to be careful with that kind of stuff. You have to try to activate and engage all the members. So I've got 200 people in there, let's say. Mm -hmm. Not all 200 people are engaging Engaged. on the channels every single day. So, you know, you're always asking yourself, what am I doing wrong? You know, why aren't right. people participating? And, you know, sometimes it has nothing to do with you. It's just like, yeah, have a life and people have a job and, you know, they don't want to be on there every day. They want to be in there when they feel like it. Right. right. But, you know, you're always trying to think of new and interesting ways of how to keep people excited and engaged and, and things like that. Um, and then, you know, you, if you look at it in a long-term perspective, it's like, how do I turn this thing into a million dollar business? Right. How do I turn it into a thing that's profitable enough to maybe do nothing else? Maybe I shut down my other things and just do yeah. this. And all that tracking and all that kind of stuff. It's interesting that you mentioned that because we're currently, you know, in the lab, if you will, like, building a back-end software to keep oh, track cool. of all that stuff because the current um, products that are out there in my estimation are subpar and, yeah. and things go into a black box. I've been, I've right. been on, I've been the partner long enough to know that when I send over deals, I have no idea if the meeting got held. I don't know if the outcome was good. I don't know if a contract got sent shit. Half the time, I don't even know if it was closed one, unless I ask. And then right. even when it was closed one, I don't know how much it was for without me asking. I don't know how much I'm going to get paid. And I sure as shit don't know when I'm going to get paid. So again, yeah. back to your earlier question about what's the long-term vision for GTM United. Well, we're building a software to handle all the backend stuff, coupling that with this assist program, um, which we think will be a really interesting and compelling offering both for partners and for vendors. Yeah. 
So with everything that's changing in our industry, you know, the, the old model of doing things is kind of going away. What's the one biggest piece of advice you'd give to sales leaders and reps out there right now related to just embrace the change that's, that's coming. Any one big kind of final thought? Yeah. I mean, you can't be successful doing what I'm talking about if you have no network. Yeah. So if, if let's say you're really good at sales right now, and up until now, you have not cared about your, uh, your LinkedIn profile, let's say, and you've got 800 connections on there. What are you going to do when people don't pick up the phone anymore? What are you going to do when your cold emails do not get responded to at all? I don't know. Yeah. So if I had one piece of advice is you better grow the size of your network. You better have as sizable a network as possible. So you can leverage that network for yourself. All your contacts should be in that network. All your colleagues should be in that network. All potential companies that you might want to work for should be in that network. People that you look up to, mentors, coaches, advisors, that type of stuff should be in there. You need to be growing your network starting years ago. <laughs> but, if you have, yeah. but if you're not there, you better do it now because yeah. you won't be able to participate in this new go-to-network type of sales arena if you don't have a network. Yeah. Uh, sub question to that one, which is if you did have 800 connections on LinkedIn today or five Twitter followers or something, how, what's something you can start doing this week to move the needle on building that cake. network? Piece of cake. There's 365 days in a year. Last I checked, right? Mm -hmm. The maximum number of connection requests you can send without getting thrown in LinkedIn jail per day is 25. All right. Are you good at math? Uh, I'm decent. Okay. 25 times 365 is 9,125. Now okay. that would require a 100% success rate for every connection request that you sent, which sure. you're not going to get. So let's just say though, you get even 50% of the people to say yes. Yeah. That's 4,562 people. Okay. So if you did that for three years, you'd have... I don't know, 13,000 or so connections. Wow. Not bad. Yeah. If you did that for nine years, you'd be over 30,000 and 30,000 is the max. Now, huh. what you don't know is that this thing compounds upon itself and picks up momentum like a snowball rolling downhill. Yeah. Right? So what's one thing you can do? Simple. Add 25 people a day. Send a simple note that says, hey, Jesse, looking to connect with other sales leaders out there. Let me know if I can ever be helpful to you. That's all you got to say. Amazing. I love the, the, the script, the template there. And, uh, and it compounds too, when you're posting valuable content, when you're sharing things, curating content, if you don't have your own content, you can share people's posts, you can share Scott's posts or, or podcast episodes, whatever YouTube videos, and then people will start to come inbound to you and want to connect with you. And that uh, accelerates it even faster. I'm, I'm assuming I, I'm not quite to that level. I get a few inbound connects from every episode I drop, but um, I imagine for you, you probably post something and get a lot of inbound connection requests. I mean, I you have, can't even accept. Yeah. I mean, I have thousands of pending connection requests that I can't do anything with right now. Cause I'm, cause I'm maxed out. You're at the max. But if you're sending out 25 or so a day, 
You're, those people are getting added to your network. Now you have the opportunity to engage and comment on their posts. Notice I didn't say anything about creating your own content yet. Yeah. Right? Just engage yeah. on their stuff. Engage on their stuff. You get seen by people in their network. You're going to start to get some inbound requests. So it's very, very simple. You know, you can completely change the size of your network in one to three years. Wow. Scott, this was amazing, an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for sharing everything. Undoubtedly, there'll be fans uh, of the, the of the episode who will want to get in touch with you. What do you suggest for listeners out there who want to reach out and engage with you? Yeah, you can check out my consulting work. I work with uh, primarily early stage startups trying to go from zero to 100. That's at scottleaseconsulting.com. We already talked about surf and sales. If you're looking for an alternative to big sales conferences, go to surfandsales.com. And if you're interested in, in community and this new way of going to network that I'm talking about, go to gtmunited.com and, and check that out. And if you just got general questions, the best thing you can do is hit me up on LinkedIn, give me a follow, and I will 100% get back to every single DM, no matter wow. how many I get, as long as it's not spam. <laughs> As long as uh, you don't reach out to Scott and try to pitch him on a state farm branch in, in Texas yeah. <laughs> or uh, outsourced IT uh, developers right. yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I don't need developers in Sri Lanka. No, I'm okay. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you again for coming on. Amazing conversation. Uh, appreciate your insights. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to get you back on again someday in the future. You're welcome, man. Hopefully we can see you in Costa Rica one day. Sounds like a plan. <laughs>